Um, but let me first say Happy Easter. Um, it's, uh, it's great to see you and to have you with us today. Um, and um, despite what most people think, Easter is not really about chocolate. Chocolate isn't the best thing about Easter Sunday. Um, because Easter Sunday is all about Jesus. Um, now, um, uh, for many people, uh, chocolate is more important than Jesus. And they think that Jesus is basically uh, irrelevant, that, that Jesus doesn't matter. That's what most um, films and uh, books and uh, TV series imply. It's the basis of the current formulation of our national curriculum. Um, and, um, and people think that Jesus, therefore Christianity, is basically irrelevant to, to our lives day to day. Uh, he has nothing uniquely uh, useful, certainly nothing essential to add to our lives. Because, I guess, they say, we're, we're beyond that sort of thing. Yes, uh, in, in the old days, maybe people needed, uh, needed that sort of thing. But, but now, well, technology and, and scientific knowledge have, have progressed and, and our moral standards have progressed as well. We've reached a stage where, where we don't need God uh, or, or anything else like that. We can solve every problem. We can be good without God. Now, I, I wonder, I sincerely hope, uh, but I wonder if the last couple of years have begun to make people question some of those assumptions about how well we're doing as a human race, how independent we are. Are we as powerful as we think when a uh, minuscule virus can, can decimate our lives all across the world at the drop of a hat, utterly unexpectedly? Are our morals as good as we think uh, when we're, we're more divided as a society than we've been in a long time, less able to engage with one another and, and, and talk about things we disagree with? Um, when, when there's a war uh, in Europe littered with, with atrocities that currently raging, when um, our own Prime Minister or other ministers have been fined for breaking laws that they imposed. I wonder if we might need much more help than we tend to think. Not least because we, we all face the, the greatest problem, the reality of death. A couple of years back, I, um, uh, when um, COVID uh, was, um, was, was a new thing, I read a book called... Um, Coronavirus in Christ, uh, by a chap called John Piper. This is how he starts his book. I'm moved to write because playing the odds is a fragile place to put your hope. Odds like 3% versus 10%, youth versus old age, compromised health versus no history of disease, rural versus urban, self-isolated versus home meeting with friends. Playing the odds provides little hope. It is not a firm place to stand. And there is a better way. There is a better place to stand. A rock of certainty rather than the sand of probabilities. And the events of Easter are the basis of that Christian hope. They are the sure foundation. Because if Jesus is just another good teacher of, of history... Uh, another important person in the past who lived and then died, 
Of course, he would be largely irrelevant. Yes, he might have some interesting things to say that might affect how you think, but basically he'd be irrelevant. But Easter says he has beaten death. He is alive today. As alive as you are and I am and, and, and your teachers or your, your colleagues, actually even more alive. So far from being irrelevant, because of the resurrection, Christianity and Jesus Christ himself are really the answer to, to, to so many of life's questions. In fact, all of life's big questions. In particular, he's the only, one, the only way we can have confident hope in a world where death is certain to come to all of us sooner or later. And two things I think are particularly crucial um, in today's passage uh, that, that, that John read for us in Luke chapter 24. Um, two things that I'm going to talk about, uh, and we'll have a gap in the middle between them. First, the resurrection is a fact of history. And second, the resurrection changes history. Okay? So first, uh, let's think about how the resurrection uh, is a, a fact of history. Because some people talk about uh, the resurrection uh, as a symbolic thing. Like a, a story. Does anyone have a favourite fairy story? Star Wars. Star Wars. Not really a fairy story, uh, but it is a made-up story. Any favourite fairy stories or fables? Yes, yeah, sir. Thumbelina. Oh, that's a lesser, a minor one, which is um, a lovely one. Any more? The Hulk. Okay, yeah. Comic books count. Yeah. The Princess and the Pea. Lovely. Um, uh, I, um, I quite enjoy The Boy Who Cried Wolf. I was, I was um, uh, talking about that with, um, with my children yesterday, The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Anyone heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. You've got that at your school? Alice in the Looking Glass, another very good one. Um, but, but all of those stories are, um, are made up and in a sense, it doesn't really matter. So the boy who cried wolf, it doesn't really matter if it happened in history, right? It's got a moral that we learn from. And, um, uh, you know, maybe there's something like that that once happened, or maybe not. But it doesn't really matter. So some people say that the stories about Jesus, and the resurrection in particular, are a bit like that. Uh, Jesus followers experienced a new lease of life and felt like he was close to them even after he died and later that was turned into a, a story of resurrection life the sort of life that that's available if we if we live the sort of life jesus lived uh, a symbolic understanding of the resurrection but that does not fit with what the bible actually says they make a nonsense of that that approach for a start, what about that, that bit um, that, that John just read for us of them eating uh, broiled fish with his disciples? Why include a story about him eating fish and chips? What does that add to this new lease of life idea? What's it symbolic of? If it's symbolic, why would Jesus say to them, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones? You see, it doesn't make sense. It's not meant to be symbolic. This is about a real man who really died and then really came back to life. The resurrection is a fact of history. Now, I know that's hard for us to believe because resurrections don't happen. But that's the point, isn't it? This is the one time in, in, in all of history that, that the resurrection has happened. That's why 
It is so extraordinary. That's why science can't explain it, because this is not a repeatable, testable occurrence, which the scientific method is based on. This is the one time that the new life after death has happened in front of our eyes. And there are seven things that I want to quickly point out to help us believe that. Firstly, notice verses 10 and 11 of John chapter 24. The first eyewitnesses were women. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who were with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, of course, we recognize that the words of women are just as valuable as the words of men. I hope we all realize that. But in those days, in that place, women's testimony wasn't recognized, not even in a court of law. If you were writing something made up, you would not have chosen women to be the first eyewitnesses. Because although they were good witnesses, people wouldn't have taken their word for it. That's probably one of the reasons why they didn't believe the women. Their words seemed to them like nonsense. Second, uh, the, the, the story um, in the Bible is not written like any other story that is a myth or a legend or an epic. It's not written from the point of view of, of an all-knowing narrator who tells you all of the, the, the details. If you read the New Testament carefully, you'll find it's actually from the point of view of limited witnesses who only, who only see one perspective. Uh, Luke, who wrote our passage, starts this whole uh, book, this, this gospel, by saying he carefully investigated. So if you read the beginning of Luke's gospel, that's what he says. He, he'd spoken to the eyewitnesses. He'd gathered the evidence. So it's not written like a myth, like the boy who cried wolf or something like that. And, and thirdly, I think, I think even more compellingly, the way that all of these people in the accounts are utterly transformed. So the women, uh, they were going, um, you know, grieving, mourning, with um, uh, the, the spices and equipment to embalm the body. And they run to, to, to tell the disciples some brilliant news. You know, transformed from, you know, grieving, weighed down, to, to running, to, to shout something out. And the disciples, well, foolishly in retrospect, say, nonsense, what do these women know? And then, even when um, Jesus appears to them, uh, even in joy and amazement, they don't believe it's real and physical until Jesus has fish and chips. And, and then they're transformed. Uh, uh, verse uh, 52, just after our passage finished, uh, you can see, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem uh, with um, a great joy. And the rest of the Testament, New Testament uh, says uh, the same thing. Um, and, and, and by the way, here's reason number four. It's all written within the lifetime of some of the people who've been there. Um, this isn't something you know, like me talking about what happened in the 1700s to you. This is like me talking to you about something that happened 30 years ago. Uh, in public, that, that, that loads of people saw. That lots of you would be able to say, that's nonsense, that didn't happen. And uh, reason number five, these were Jewish people. And Jewish people were the last people on earth who believe a human being could be God. That, that it would be right to worship him. And reason number six, you know, um, al almost all of the, the, the disciples, the, the author of the books of the New Testament, 
they were tortured and killed for what they said about Jesus. Now you might say, yes, but lots of people die for uh, wrong beliefs. Well, yes, but this wasn't just an abstract thing they thought was important, like a philosophy or a worldview, like protecting the environment or introducing democracy or like believing that Liverpool is the greatest football club in the world. They died because they wouldn't shut up about a fact, a fact of history that they knew would have been, they would have known was true or false. If they made it up, they'd known it was false. And there's a certain point in being tortured where you just would not die for something you know is false. It's just not worth it. It's a bit like um, whether uh, the, um, uh, the government enforced a lockdown in 2020, something that no one would have believed, I imagine, a few years ago if I'd have told you we're all forced to stay in our houses for however long it was. Well, it happened, and we know it happened, and, and, and in a few years' time, we'll still remember that it happened. And so if I say it didn't happen, lots of people can just tell me I was wrong. It's like that with the resurrection. Uh, and, um, and number seven, uh, last one, it's, it's worth noting, this fact of history is one that was promised by God hundreds of years beforehand, again and again and again, by the Jewish prophets. Because if, if Jesus really was going to be God's son coming into the world to save us by dying and, and to prove it by rising from the dead, you'd expect God to give us a heads up that it's going to happen. And he did. And um, notice that's what Jesus explains uh, to them in verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. So, for instance, on Friday... Uh, we thought together about a, a psalm, Psalm 22, written a thousand years before Jesus came. And it described pretty exactly what was going to happen on the cross. And then that the Messiah would find life and light and, and joy. And that's just one of hundreds of prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. And that's, of course, if you think about it, is not something that Jesus or the eyewitnesses or the early believers could have changed hundreds of years after the fact. This is something that, that all of the Jews would have known, and that many of them would have known all the words of by heart. And they can't change them. They can't lie about the public fulfilment of those prophecies in front of crowds of thousands of people. No one believes them. Uh, there were still thousands of people alive when these, these books were written. So the resurrection is a fact of history. Now sometimes to, um, to find out facts, you've got to do a bit of searching, don't you? You've got to do some hard work thinking. And, um, and if, you, um, if you do that, uh, if you're intrigued by what I'm saying, you, you don't yet believe um, that the resurrection happened, well, I encourage you to look into it. Don't just um, uh, believe the fairy stories that you might have been told in school. Uh, that, that, that it was all made up or something like that. Uh, the resurrection is true. If you search through the evidence, you'll find it out. It's a little bit like, uh, bear with me here for this slightly tenuous length, it's a bit like in Easter egg hunts. You see, if you um, believe that, that I put out 50 eggs uh, with the help of some of my friends before church, um, then in a moment, when I tell you to go and look for them, you will believe me, and you'll go and try and find some Easter eggs. Um, and that is, in fact, what happened. So, uh, in a moment, um, I'm going to uh, uh, 
there's going to be some music playing, and um, I'm going to tell you uh, to, to go and find some eggs. Well done. It was true, wasn't it? There were eggs hidden all around, all around the room. And, um, uh, and so, the resurrection, we, we've, we've thought about the, the, the resurrection being a fact of history. But, but think about the reason that the, the disciples wanted to tell everyone about the resurrection. There are some facts that, um, uh, you know, we, we don't, we're not particularly bothered whether we, uh, we tell everyone or not. Uh, like what we had for breakfast, perhaps. Um, but the disciples were willing to die to tell people about it and about Jesus. Um, not just because it's true, but because it's so important, even more important than chocolate. So our second point is this. The resurrection changes history. It's a fact of history, and it changes history. Uh, obviously, uh, objectively, it's changed the course of world history, hasn't it? So much so that our dates are calculated around Jesus, his birth and life and death and resurrection, B.C., A.D. After the resurrection, Jesus' uh, followers spread the news. People uh, committed their lives to, to following Jesus and went from a group of uh, 12 uh, through the, the thousands, through the millions, into the billions. And not just because he was a, a, a good moral teacher, but because he's alive and he's powerful. But you know what? It actually changes history in a bigger way even than any of that. Do you notice Jesus' first words to his disciples? Uh, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, of course, that could just be a, a, a greeting. Hi, peace be with you. Uh, how are you doing? Actually, I think it's probably more significant than that. Jesus always chose his words quite carefully. And especially when he came back from the dead to be with his disciples together for the first time, you'd expect his words to be carefully chosen, wouldn't you? And he says, peace. Now, peace is a, a word which contains a whole world of promise. Peace. Because we're a world at war, aren't we? Not only uh, war in Ukraine, also Syria and Yemen and Myanmar and Afghanistan and so on. More than 100,000 killed in 2021 before the Ukraine war. And not only international war, war in our own lives, personal conflict. Our lives are marred, aren't they, by, by competing with one another, hurting and, and being hurt. And we're even at war with the, the, the physical world around us, seemingly destroying it bit by bit, and being hurt by it too. Coronavirus, natural disasters, and so on. But most of all, more than any of those things, we're a world at war with God, doing our own thing, rather than letting him be God, lead us, guide us. And so when Jesus comes and says peace, he's saying there's an end to all of those things. An end to the war. There's a new life, a new sort of life that has arrived. One way where humans can live the life that we're designed to live. Life in harmony with God and therefore in harmony with one another and the world around us. There is new life. And that new life is available to anyone 
who will follow him. New life that's indestructible. Jesus says that sort of peace can be yours today if you want it. If you want him. A firm foundation to build your life on that won't shift. Even if the war in Ukraine engulfs Europe, even if something deadlier than COVID-19 comes along, the resurrection changes history. And if we want that resurrection life for ourselves, it'll change the course of our history. It'll change everything in our lives. Now, some of you might know that I wasn't brought up as a Christian. I only uh, started um, uh, understanding what the Bible said and and believing uh, what the Bible says about Jesus in my teenage years. And and when I realised that Jesus had died for me and that he's really alive and that he's more powerful than, than nature or death, then everything in my life started, started to change. Uh, my, um, my whole outlook on life uh, started to change. My, my priorities began to change. Instead of wanting the best grades, the best job, wanting um, to be at the, the coolest gigs, I was a teenager, and be the most popular, I, I most wanted this life that Jesus offers. So I wanted to get to know God as he reveals himself in the Bible. And I wanted my friends to know him too. And my lifestyle began to change because of that. Instead of thinking I knew best with drinking or girlfriends or lying or parents or all sorts of things, I began to see that that God must know better than I do. And so very slowly, what I did began to be ruled not by what I felt like, but by what Jesus says in the Bible. And my hopes began to change as well. So instead of, um, of longing for the perfect career, the perfect family, um, uh, to, to experience everything the world has to offer and so on, I realised that all of the best things are guaranteed in this resurrection life and will experience them when Jesus comes back from heaven. I realised this wasn't just a, a kind of far-fetched pie in the sky when you die, but it was guaranteed by his coming back from the dead on the, on the basis of all of those facts. So when Jesus comes to his followers and says, peace be with you, he's offering something radically, dramatically, life-changingly fantastic. And it's as real and as physical as fish and chips on your plate. The resurrection is a fact of history, and it changes history for the world out there, but also for for me and potentially for you as well. Now, if you're already following Jesus, please may encourage you to, to let these truths impact the way that you go through life day by day, because it really does make all the difference in the world. You don't need to fear being lonely. Jesus is alive. He's with you by his spirit. You don't need to fear the unknown about your money or your food or your house or your future. They're all in the hands of the risen Lord Jesus. If he can beat death, surely he can deal with financial worries. He's alive. He reigns with God. And you need not even fear death. Jesus' resurrection life is yours. So perhaps you could take some time today, Easter Sunday, to to think about, write down some fear 
uh, some misplaced priority, some frustration perhaps that remembering Jesus' resurrection life could help you with and perhaps chat to someone about it. But if you're not yet following Jesus and letting his words shape your life through and through, then please take some time to consider why not. Do you have questions perhaps about whether it is a fact of history, about the resurrection perhaps? Do you feel like you haven't yet understood what it's all about? Do you want help in taking things further? Do you want to push back against it? As a church, we, we want to help you. And we've got a, a, an hour or more after the, the formal part of church uh, finishes today. Uh, so um, why not talk to someone who is a, a member of the church about what it is you're thinking, what you'd like to know about. Uh, come and grab me. I'd love to chat to any of you. Um, maybe, maybe you think, well, an hour isn't really going to cut it. Well, actually, most of us, I imagine, certainly I, would be really eager to meet up with you one-on-one and over a, a coffee or a pint to talk things through a bit more fully. Perhaps open a Bible together and, and go through what it, what it says um, in more detail. Uh, I'm going to give everyone on their way out, a, a booklet uh, called The Real Easter, um, as Neil said before. Um, and um, uh, as Neil said, it's a very, very short read. But maybe that's an opportunity just to think through again some of the, the types of things I've been talking about, some of what Easter is really about and what difference it makes for you. Uh, so take that away and give, give it a read. Uh, we, we also run regular uh, Christianity Explored courses where you can come along and and work through it in a group setting, talk, talking, listening to other people's issues, objections and questions and so on. Watch a, watch a, a video explaining some things, talk about it and, and read um, a, a gospel all the way through over, over seven weeks. Uh, so if you're interested in that, please, please come and see me or Neil and, and we'll sign you up for one. But whatever it is, don't, don't just leave it there. This is, this is the event of history that has changed everything. So if you want to be on the right side of history, then make sure you're on the right side of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, whether you're here following him already uh, or uh, not yet, this is the first time you've, um, you've heard about these sorts of things. Uh, don't just leave it here. Don't just leave the resurrection 2,000 years ago. Uh, let it impact your life today. I'm going to uh, pray for us uh, that we would do that.